tallyandtwine.com. Yes, that's tallyandtwine.com, where you can find beautiful watches for men and for women, made here in the United States, made here in the great state of Virginia, made in Portsmouth, Virginia. That's right, made in America, made in Virginia, and made in Portsmouth, tallyandtwine.com. Great watches for the men. Look at these beautiful watches. Aren't they nice, masculine, really attractive, and these sexy watches for our beautiful ladies. Tallyandtwine.com. This is my favorite watch. This is the watch I personally own. Tallyandtwine.com, made in Virginia, made in America. It's time for you to get a high-quality watch from Tally and Twine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I have my Tally and Twine watch with me right here. It's my fave. It's my fave. She's my baby. She's my baby. <laughs> so uh, go visit Tally and Twine. As you can see, it's melanated owned. It's made in the United States. Salute that. <laughs> hey, it's your man Seiko Varner. Time for another great episode of the Fly Guy Show. Get on code. The Fly Guy Show. And you know, the Get on Code Show is a show where we really focus on things that can really improve our community. O-U-R, capital O-U-R, improve our community, and we have conversations about it. So today, uh, as you can see on the screen, we have The Urban Finance, good brother, Caden. How you doing, Caden? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Can't complain. <laughs> you know, good it's stuff. good to be here. Good stuff. And with Caden, the foundation, the foundation, she's not on the bottom. She's the foundation here. That's our <laughs> team leader. Good Taniki Riddick. Taniki, how you doing, Queen? I'm doing better than amazing. Thank you for having me, Seiko. Honored to be here Ashe. with you. I say Taniki is one of the leaders in the new consciousness that I'm having with finance and in studying some of the things that Taniki brought me in, you know, into understanding. I ran into this information, uh, Caden <laughs> with the urban finance. And I tell you, when I look at your YouTube channel. I'm actually looking at your Twitter page now. I see you, and I'm assuming that's your lovely wife. Yeah, that's my beautiful wife right there. That's my queen. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I thought it might have been your daughter or your wife. She looks so young. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. But this is what blew me away. You went from zero to 45K in less than two years. What went from zero to 45K in less than two years? And for those who don't, you know, are just checking us out. We're talking about Melanated Wealth. They paid off $120,000 in two years. Two is an interesting number for you, man. You paid off $120K in two years, and you went from zero to 45 in two years. Okay, okay. Yeah, How'd yeah. you do it? So we can, we can start with this particular one. So I always tell people, I like to keep my investments simple, to be quite frank about it. So I don't, I don't, I do do um, more complicated investments. So, you know, I don't even know if I can say it here or I should be saying it, but I just picked up some stocks in the cannabis industry. One Aurora that just doubled, um, you know, and so, you know, don't show the church folks, don't show the church folks that. But, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't show the church folk that. Now, now if I'm corrected, if I'm correct, and you're probably yeah. going to correct me, uh, doesn't it say somewhere in Genesis that we're supposed to use the uh, plants of the earth as our medicine and in our food? Am I correct? 
yes, <laughs> you're correct in, in terms of what it says in Genesis. Now, depending on who you are, you might have a, a different interpretation of what that means. And that's how it kind of boils down a lot of times. A lot of things, you know, different people interpreted differently and we act based on those, our self-interpret, our own interpretations of it. So it's, it's an interesting conversation to have. It is, it is, it is. So uh, we brought up the church piece. So um, we'll have to bring that into understanding because <laughs> we add a little context to it. So oh, look, oh. I'm a PK. I'm a PK. I, I grew up in the church. All right. And I said a little, a little earlier that my, uh, my my leader Taniki is a little churchy. I am. I am absolutely in the church. <laughs> and Kaden, you're actually a associate minister. Yeah, I'm an associate pastor of a church, so that's my full time full time responsibility or ministry. I, I would say full time ministry. So you know, and it's certainly a blessing. And I, I think. Will, uh... Praise the Lord, Pastor Sward. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> you know, I, I always I always go back to, and this is one of my favorite books here. It just happened to, it's always right here. Blueprint for Black Power. Yes, Amos Wilson. Amos Wilson. Love this book. He has a chapter on, on how the church can help Black people with economic empowerment. And how the church, in many ways, some churches he highlighted did a do, good job, but in many ways, many churches fail the black community in its ability to generate wealth and teaching people how to generate wealth and using the church as a wealth building institution in the community. And so that's one of the things that that, that, that I love, you know, that I'm in a place where I can educate people in multiple ways about why it's important to grow wealth. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, tell us about how you went from zero to 45K. So I'm assuming this was in stocks. So was that in cannabis stocks? Yeah. So No, no, that wasn't in the cannabis industry. That that was simple investing. And so you mentioned before how we were able to pay off uh, $120,000 within two years. And what that allowed us to do is free up a lot of cash flow in order to invest in the stock markets. And so just consistently investing in VGT and as well as the S&P 500 allow me to capture these types of returns. And, you know, even if you take a look at how much VGT, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but VGT may have ran up about 40% or something like that more this year. The S&P 500 year over year I think for the last few years, probably have averaged about 20% or more return. And so just being a consistent investor of putting your money aside, but first paying off all of those debt free up cash in order to invest in the market. And so I would say this was just one of my investment accounts. So this wasn't even the entirety of our portfolio. This was just one account, but it was just honestly freeing up that money and, and, having several side hustles and not using those money to buy assets that didn't generate income, but buying assets that generated income. And it seems hard, but it's really not that hard because even this year, you know, my mom started off w- with $0 and is almost on her way to five figures in her investment account. And so it seems hard, but it's not hard with consistency. Wow. You actually just dropped a, a number of gems 
Yes. <laughs> you just dropped it. And we're going to have to kind of unpack some of those things. So first of all, you mentioned, and you know, my background in finances, I used to be a financial service provider. I got involved with uh, what Taniki runs and, you know, we're helping people with debt consolidation and credit repair. Nice, nice. Also do private money lending. I do a couple of things. Uh, let me throw my picture up very quickly. <laughs> this is how I pay for the channel. So we do credit hear, fixes, yeah, tax resolution, lend private money to real estate investors, and we do debt consolidation. Um, one of That's the reasons nice. that I think that this is important is for this. And I'm sorry to cover you up, uh, Sister Tanika. Oh, you're fine. But, uh, one of our ancestors in my family paid a dollar. 64 as a poll tax in 1946 mm. in Virginia Beach, Virginia, so mm. that they could vote. Mm. Political power and financial power, many ways, go hand in hand. Mm. And so they call me Mr. Empowerment. I really focus on helping people understand empowerment uh, via political leverage, leverage, and how mm. we can gain economically through leverage. So one of the things that you said that I think we need to unpack is you paid off your debts and then you went heavy on the investments. Is that the is that the way that you're supposed to do it? Should you pay off your debts first? And I know the answer. Should you pay off mm -hmm. your debts first and then go into the investment piece? Or should you try to invest to pay off your debts? So this is this is the way I put it for people especially if you have high interest credit cards, there's no reason to not eliminate those first. And because you, a lot of people, to be honest, and you said you're in a credit repair, a lot of people in our community have some credit cards paying 20, 25, 30% interest. And so you're not necessarily getting that type of return from the market. And so one of the best possible things you can do for yourself is pay off those credit card bills. Now, if you're fortunate enough to get a, a, you're working for a company that has a 3% match, I would, I would personally say take that match because that's 100% interest on your money and that's free money. But above that, you should really be looking to eliminate those credit cards because the average person isn't getting um, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35% on their dollar when they invest in the market. And so you're losing more money than you're actually bringing in when you do it out of order. Interesting, interesting. Taniki, I know you help people with credit repair. Uh, what do you tell them? Because credit repair is dealing with credit and dealing with debts. What do you tell them? Um, that's he, the same thing that he just said. It does make sense to actually um, pay off your debt and reduce that interest that you're dealing with with the credit. Because again, if you're dealing with a high interest rate, you're basically throwing your money out of the window. So yes, you do absolutely want to um, eliminate that debt and reduce that high interest rate. That's, that's a must. Okay, okay. But I think most people tuned in today, and we'll unpack some of the other things you said, you know, um, because you went heavy in on the investment piece, and I, I, I definitely want to dive down that rabbit hole. But mm. I first want to start then, if we got to pay off our debts first. And, you know, since, you know, she's churchy, you're a associate pastor, <laughs> <laughs> we can go into the spiritual thing. With um, there are things you have to do to get things. 
you know, throughout any of the uh, holy books, you know, we can tap in with the Bible for this one, the canonized Bible. There's always a sacrifice mm -hmm. to get a bigger blessing. And mm -hmm. one of the things you have to do when this is how my father taught me is you have to do what you promised to do. When you took out some of this debt, you promised to pay it back. Mm -hmm. And when you follow your promises, then, you know, the law of reciprocity means you're going to get more. And that's that blessing that comes afterwards. So I see from a spiritual standpoint, paying off the debt first and then sowing the seed seems like like is like right aligned with it. So but you're the pastor, dude. So am I and right so, on? Am I on? No, you right. You right on target. I think the sacrifice is one of it. And the Bible is very clear on this. I, and this is probably one, one of my favorite scriptures in relationship to this. The borrower is slave to the lender and the rich rule over the poor. And the rich rule over the poor because the borrower is a slave to the lender. And so as long as you are financially dependent on somebody else, that person will be your master. And so we may have been emancipated from a physical slavery, but we are still enslaved to the people that we owe our debt to. And so there are a lot of people who are unable to spend time with their families, even in the midst of a pandemic, and may have to go to work and even risk dying because they have financial obligations that they can't afford to not meet because they'll end up on the street. And so I think this, this pandemic has really allowed us to see how much our lives are on, line, on the line by not being financially responsible. One of the things that people always would say, you know, and black folks and church folks always have a saying to disregard or a negative saying towards building wealth. And so if you say, you know, I'm trying to save and invest for my future, they may say tomorrow's not promised. If you say, you know, I'm putting away money in the stock market for my children, they may say, you know, um, the love of money is the root of all evil. There's always a saying for why we should not be focused on building wealth. And for me, that has always baffled me. That there is so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so much negativity in our community, in the black community, around building wealth. And so yep. people are more likely to discourage you when you try to build wealth. But like I said, I think this pandemic has shown us that no one is safe and that the, the, the borrower is truly a slave to the lender. Because if you're forced to go to work when, you know, um, your child is at home, one, um, and then you may bring that sickness back home to your child then you know what can i say and so i think i think this season has taught people and some people has come to the realization but some still still will take a little while that is important to build wealth so at times like this when you you want to take a stand you can you know a lot of times people are silent because they, they have a paycheck riding on it i remember even um nick cannon <laughs> just a little while back he, he said some stuff and got in trouble with some people who controlled the purse string. And then, you know, even if he believed that, he had to pull that back in because, you know, he yeah. said a lot yeah. of these rappers are so are usually in so much debt that they need that constant flow of income. And so yeah. it's not even about making a high income, but it's making sure that you you're not financially enslaved to somebody else. So for me, it's all about financial independence. 
which for me is having enough passive income flow to su sustain my lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle looks like. And a lot of rappers are not there. A lot of musicians, actors are not there. Wow, that that's, they're not there. They're not there. Man, man. So how did you get there? How did you pay off $120,000 of debt in two years? You know, and like, again, the, 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 the solution is simple, blood, sweat, and tears, blood, sweat, and tears. And one of the things that we had to do is serious delayed gratification. And so, you know, there were a lot of times because if, if you, if you do the math, 120,000, that's about $5,000 a month. If we broke it out over several months. And so for a lot of people, there are a lot of things you can do with $5,000 a month other than pay off debt. You know, you could you could literally, if you wanted to, go on vacation every month with $5,000 a month. You could literally probably buy yourself the best luxury car in the world with $5,000 a month. You can buy yourself the nicest house uh, probably on most people blocks with even just $5,000 a month, but it's really saying to yourself, okay, what do I want in life? And is it more important than all of these material things? And like I said, financial independence is very important to my wife and I. And so we made the sacrifice of not doing all those things. And for, for instance, one of the things my wife personally had to do is get off of social media. And because it's hard to want to pay off your debt when you see everyone else living this luxurious lifestyle. You know, one of the things that I had to do is, you know, maybe not buy things for the house or, you know, I was even delayed my martial arts class because I, I like doing um, martial arts and I was doing Muay Thai and I said, I'm gonna wait till after we get out of this to do. And so there's a lot of things we had to sacrifice in order to have the discipline to stop spending. Um, you know, I didn't buy any any new clothes or any new shoes or anything. Really, you know, it was it was it was a sacrifice. And I know people are saying, "Woo, five thousand! That's a lot of money." You know, to have that much free cash flow. But the truth is, imagine imagine having an extra five thousand dollars, but not having a couch in your house. We had no couch in our apartment, and I know. <laughs> People were looking funny when they came over to our place. And it's, and for us, we just refused to buy the couch, even though we can say we'll take 2000 out of the five and buy the couch. But as long as we owed somebody else, then that money really wasn't ours. And so we didn't feel like going further in debt to buy a couch when we had three um, bar stools in our crib and we only needed two at the time. And, you know, and so, so, those are the sacrifices that most people are just un unwilling to make and, you know, unwilling to make. You know, we didn't go out to eat. My wife loves going out to eat. And so we did some things that that kind of replaced some of those. So Movie Pass was big back then. And I don't know if people are familiar with Movie Pass, but you, you it was like you paid um, like $10 a month and you can go to as many movies as you want. And so we had a movie pass and that was our thing. We just went to see a bunch of movies. But one of the and one of the biggest sacrifices that we made was my wife wanted to go to Thailand for her 30th birthday. 
and her birthday was in May. And she made the call to say, babe, you know, I know we, we save, we technically have and can go to Thailand, but let's wait till we finish pay off our debt before we go to Thailand. And then we end up going to Thailand in October. That was hard for her and that was hard for me because as a man, I want to give my wife everything that she desires, but you know, what's more important. And for us, you know, to be in a place where we didn't have to work if we didn't need to was more important. Wow. Wow. That's deep. Well, what do you think, Tamiki? Any thoughts? Yeah, what he's saying is spot on. Um, again, the pandemic to me exposed. It exposed that a lot of Americans are working and they were um, not financially prepared. They didn't have the money to hold themselves over for five months. That spoke huge. It was a wake up call for a lot of people in America. Um, and again, like he said about the sacrifice, that's huge. We have to be willing to sacrifice and do what others want do, won't do in order to have what we want to have, and that's financial freedom. So you are dead on. I love this. This is so great information. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Interesting. So it came down to to get the blessing, you gave up the sacrifice. Yeah, to get the you, blessing. I mean, you, you did the make, sacrifice. Yeah. You had to make the sacrifice, you know. To get the blessing, and that that goes back to, um, and so one of my other channels. So um, Urban Finance is one of my YouTube channels, but I have actually have another YouTube channel called Black's Books Animated, Black Books Animated, where I do reviews of black books. And because one of the things that I'm passionate about is reading, I love reading. Like I show you Dr. Amos Wilson's book that that was actually part of a black uh, book club that I read. And one of the books that really changed my mind, two books really, was one, Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. And the other book was Malcolm X, the biography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. And those books really inspired me personally to make the sacrifices that others wouldn't make for my community, because I know I can do it. You know, I know that I could be in a place to build serious wealth where I can change things in the lives of my family and the lives of my community. And it's, it's a hard thing to say, but you know, not everyone is willing to make certain type of sacrifices. I honestly believe anyone can be wealthy, but not everyone is willing to make the sacrifice. But what I do know from human nature, people are more willing to follow someone who's actually doing what they think may be impossible or who's showing them how to do it. And so, you know, um, I talk about all of my success openly on my channel. So our net worth at the age of 30 is over a um, quarter million dollars. And now, you know, and just um, four years ago, we were at a negative net worth, you know, because we still had um, that $120,000. And so if we can do that much really over the course of, little little less than four years from to go from 120 to positive 250 imagine how much we can do over the next three to four or five years and i feel like that type of message inspires people to be more and do more other thing that i do i do workshops and i show people even if my wife and i were to stop investing now mm -hmm. we would have enough money to retire comfortably comfortably by the, the traditional retirement age, just based on compound interest on our money. 
And when people see math like that, they're like, okay, maybe it is worth um, making a huge sacrifice. And so th that's that's the type of stuff like I really try to get across to people. If you make a sacrifice early now, then it will pay off so much, so much in your future. Charlie Munger is known for saying the first hundred thousand is the hardest. Uh, and some people say the first hundred thousand is a beat. But once you get past that, it just and I always call it, you know, um, growing up, they said there was no money tree. You know, like, you know, your parents would always say, what you think I have a money tree? But I honestly think investing has become that money tree for me because I don't have to do anything and I'm earning these benefits. Beautiful. Beautiful. You just talked about growing up. Now, uh, you're a Trini, right? You're from Trinidad yeah, and Tobago, yeah. right? Born in Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what what kind of messages did you receive as a, you know, as a young head in Trinidad and Tobago around money? And to be honest, um, as far as I know, in Trinidad and probably still that way, there was no stock market. You know, the biggest thing that we we had back in the Caribbean was Susu. And because also people didn't have credit, the availability of credit like they do in the United States, we would have to pool our money together in order to a lot of times buy things that were super expensive. And so you can do a small Susu, which which may pay out every two, two months, or you can do a big Susu, which may pay out every six months. And you can be getting a $30,000, dollars $50,000 payout to buy a home, $100,000 payout um, to buy a home. And keeping in mind also, you know, there's about a six to one ratio between the Trini, TT, and the US dollar. But, you know, we had to work as a community in order to advance ourselves economically. And I still think a lot of those things still apply today and can be beneficial um, to various communities. Now, you know, I, I still do a SUSU with my family now. I use the SUSU to pay for my master degree. And so, you know, I've, I've always benefited from it. And I will say this. I don't know if you guys have ever talked about this. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the blessing room, to be honest. And it's huge in Trinidad right now. They call it the DSS. And somebody just got raided by the cops. I think some people say maybe $20 million he had in his home from the DSS. And... You know, but yeah, Susu for me was, you know, beneficial growing up. That was my foundations on finances. But, you know, like I said, when I started reading like Dr. Claude Anderson books and even Malcolm X, that really got me in the mind of community economic empowerment and what, what can be my contribution to move the Black community forward. Could you explain to us what's the difference between the susu and, the, and that blessing flower? Because that has been a topic and a conversation during this pandemic. And a lot of people that I know have ran to those blessing flowers. And I've heard people from other um, countries say that susu actually worked for them. So could you explain the difference? Yeah, absolutely. And so I actually have a video on my channel that has over 200,000 views talking about this exact subject. And the big difference is the, 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 the blessing loom is structured as a pyramid, essentially, which means that the money flows upstream. But that also means with a, a pyramid scheme like this, where there is no product, eventually you will run out of a supply. And so the blessing loom is usually eight to one. So eight, 
eight people pay one people, one person. So let's just say $100, for instance. Eight people pay this one person that paid uh, $800, and they only paid $100 to, to get in. So they pretty much times their money by eight. So that feels really good for them. But this thing compounds over and over. And so, and so eventually, everyone that's going to be on the bottom line, which will be the most amount of people. So if, for example, one million people get paid out by the blessing room, um, and th those one pe million people are obviously going to be very excited and passionate about the blessing loom, but they're going to be 8 million people that did not get any money who are very mad and pissed off. That's how the blessing loom works because it's a pyramid, eight people pay into one, um, and then that person is done. But the susu, so you eight times your money in, in the blessing loom. The susu, on the other hand, just it, everyone pays someone. So if, if it's just the three of us that's doing a susu and we say, let's say our susu is $1,000. And so we'll pay, pay Seko um, $1,000. So he will have $2,000. And then we'll pay you um, $1,000. So you'll have $2,000. And then both of, and then you guys will pay me um, $1,000 both. And I'll have $2,000. So everyone technically put in $2,000 and everyone got $2,000. We just got it at different intervals. So um, one person may get it month one, the other person get it month two, the next person get it month three. You're not multiplying your money. You're just you're just getting it earlier than what you would have. So if maybe you needed uh, money for daycare or maybe you needed money to buy a home or something like that, you would get it earlier. Maybe you wanted to use your money to pay off your credit card balance and not have to pay interest for an entire year instead of you having to wait each month, you can pay it off early and save an interest. But that's the difference. The Blessing Loom allows you to multiply your money um, and the Susu doesn't. But the Blessing Loom, like I said, a lot of people are going to lose money eventually. Thank you. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you're one of the first people I've heard talk favorably about the Susu. And I've heard about the Susu for you know decades, um, but I haven't heard financial folk talk about it it's, it's, it's like the yeah it's, it's, it's the it's the secret <laughs> yeah 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 but you and said you know, you college off of susu yes i was able to pay um well help pay uh my my um for my masters and what i would do is i would make sure my hand what came at the same time that my semester bill came so I was able to pay towards it that way but again I'm from the Caribbean and the Caribbean that's we didn't have credits so that was our version of credit and you know and this may be um controversial to some people but we even know in Queens New York or a lot of places a lot of Caribbean people were able to come to the states and buy homes very quickly and this is one of the reasons they were able to do get the down payments for their home is because they use susus to do it and so you know you know back in the day a black person may not had ten thousand dollars to just go buy a home but you know if you were from a culture that did a susu every person you know even if you were to do it every three months every three months somebody else can potentially buy our home or start looking for their home because we know you know that money has to sit in the bank for a little while Wow, that's definitely another flip moment. I, every time I you drop a gem, I I drop the flip. You know, uh, <laughs> you were flipping over the table. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't like that twisted too. I definitely, <laughs> definitely need to do this because you know um, when we use the term African American or we use the term Black, we're not necessarily talking about. Uh, well, when we use the term, we're not talking about people from a particular city, state, country, nation. Mm. We're not talking about crayon color. We're not talking about somebody's legal status or nationality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to have some people. Uh, well, you ain't a crayon color. We get that. We get that. <laughs> Yo, yeah. what are the best stocks to buy if, since Joe Biden seems at this point to be the president elect? And so, you know, I think the stocks that I think that are going to do really well under Joe Biden is one um, electric vehicle stock. So that's going to do really well. Chinese stocks that have been being kept down a little um, due to Trump's you know, kind of beef with China. I have one stock called JD.com and that, you know, that shoot shot up when um, Joe Biden um, won as well. You know, like I said, you know, I made uh, 125% profit off of Aurora. Um, that shot up when um, Joe Biden won. So the cannabis industry, I think it will do really well under um, Joe Biden um, and alternative energies will probably do very well under Joe Biden. And some international stocks that 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 are solid, um, like like a Neo um, would do really well, like a JD.com, like even I mean Alibaba's been doing well um, in general as well. You know they have have Jack Ma just some, said some stuff that got the Chinese government a little riled up, and so his stock fell a little. But I think ultimately they'll come back and start you know performing like how Alibaba has been performing over the last few years as well. And so I think, oh. go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying, wow. Okay. You think what? Huh? You were saying that you think, and then I cut you off. Oh, no, I don't even remember what I was going to say. All good. All good. <laughs> so look, Shonda Rhimes, $300 million lesson. What is that about, bro? So I, you may or may not have heard, but Shonda Rhimes had got signed with Netflix, right? And mm-hmm. so one of the things that happened there is that Shonda Rhimes went to the executive of one of Disney's executives. So the, Disney is one of the partner companies. And one of the, the perks was they used to give them like a free, a free pass. And she asked for an additional pass. And the executive gave her a hard time to get the additional pass. And so eventually, you know, she, eventually she got the pass, but when her sister came to visit, the pass didn't work. And he, she, he, she called the executive up and said that, you know, hey, the pass isn't working. Can we resolve this? And apparently the executive said, haven't we done enough for you pretty much? And so she's made this company probably billions of dollars and just over a potentially $200 pass this white executive is telling her, didn't we do enough for you? Um, like, you know, like she's working for free or she's not producing um, what she's supposed to. And so, you know, for her, that was the last straw of like, you know, I'm, I'm putting it in my sweat. I'm making this company billions and they don't appreciate my work. I'm going to go to somewhere else that appreciates my work and talks about how she called she called up a lawyer and said, I'm moving to Netflix. It's either y'all make this happen or I'm going to get other representation that will make it happen. And so it's all about knowing your worth. You know, a lot of times people keep jobs. And I always say this, like, you know, you can never pay me my worth. 
Yeah. You can never pay me my work. And so if I'm doing a job, and I always pay 150% in. And so if I'm doing a job, it's because that it's something that I'm passionate about and something that I want to see grow, develop, and produce for. But, you know, I don't believe you're paying me necessarily what I'm worth. And that's fine. But don't disrespect me and don't think that I don't know my own value, you know? And so I remember they're saying, uh, they said this white kid and this black kid was like, um, they were in the park and the white kid looked at the black kid and said, you know, if only I could pay you for what you think you're worth and sell you for what you're actually worth, I will be a millionaire. And it was just to go to show a lot of people don't know how much you're actually worth. And it's not only that, you know, they settle for less, but then they settle for less and allow people to pretty much disrespect them. Wow. Uh, Shonda Rhimes bossed up. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I wish we would have done that with the politicians recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, because when you look at it politically, and uh, I saw that you had something about some of the political things that, you know, uh, um, Diddy uh, in, endorsing that uh, particular uh, Black party that he was working with. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, truthfully, when we're, quote unquote, the backbone of a political party success, but when we ask for certain things, that political party recently was like, ah, oh, we'll wait until after happens. You know, we'll yeah, wait until yeah. after the election. You know, I thought it was kind of interesting when um, they talked to the Biden-Harris team about immigration. Oh, I got a plan for that in the first 100 days. Uh, what about LGBTQIA? Oh, I have something for that for the first 100 days. Oh, well, can you do something that's on our agenda plate, like dealing with this uh, situation that Breonna Taylor, uh, we can talk about that after the election. Um, yeah. And we still came out. We still came out in droves, but it would be really interesting when we all get on code, hashtag get on code politically, because yeah. then we're going to have some big changes. And so, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people um, and one person I listen to a lot as well as Dr. Boyce Watkins and a lot of people get on Dr. Boyce because of his current stance right now. You know, they're like, do you support Trump or whatever the case may be? And I'm someone, I'm very practical. And the truth is people are only really going to listen. And this is an unfortunate thing. Um, and this is something that I'll, we need to work with our community with. But people only really listen when, when things are on fire. So right now in the midst of a political season, people will listen to even a radical voice. Like, you know, Dr. Boyce would be like, you know, you know, the Democrats haven't really done anything for you guys or whatever the case may be, you yeah. know, and but but talking about politics outside of like um, the, the, the political cycle, the president cycle, most people just completely tune that out. And so it's hard to even get people attention. And so that's the hard thing. And that's where I found myself, because personally, I mean, I, I I voted for I voted for Biden, you know, and I've encouraged people to vote for Biden. And I haven't spoken out necessarily as much against the Democratic Party because I really felt like we needed to get Trump out of the White House. But at the same time, I recognize that the Democratic Party has continually and continue to disrespect black people. And until you know, we take a solid stand. They're, they're going to keep doing that because 
it is almost taboo to talk about the black agenda, to be completely frank about it. You know, you know, whether it's reparations or whether it's anything else that black people want. And we they've always said, you know, you, we can't do reparations, you know, that's just impossible. But and we just gave the entire country a $1,200 stimulus check. And so we know it's a possibility, but yeah, the black agenda has never necessarily been moved forward. Now I'm not someone that necessarily says hold the vote. I say we should be organizing the vote in season and out of season. And I do not see us doing that. We do not organize the votes outside of season. And that's the only thing that, that will make us effective. And that's one thing that Diddy said that I like, you know, we, we are not organized, so we can't demand anything. It's either, it's either you have an organized voting block or you have dollars. And we're yep. certainly not an organized voting block. So our demands won't be, won't be met necessarily. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Tanika, it looks like you had something to say. And I, I, I'll get to your statement in just a second. But I, I couldn't let this moment go. I do think something very interesting happened in this last election season. You know, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins is involved with the Foundation of Black Americans, and I study their work. You know, so that would be uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Professor Black Truth, Jason Black, Tariq Nasheed. You know, so they're kind of acidic. I get that. You know, mm-hmm. they say some things that some people don't <laughs> like. I get that. Um, but the foundation was hey, if we're the foundation of your party, then you're going to have to listen to us now. And mm. interestingly enough, people like Ice Cube came out with the contract for Black America. Now, that came out in June. It came out in late June. I actually went through it in July, right? And mm-hmm. so you see it in late October when they say, hold up, these foundational Black American folk, these B1 Black first folk, you know, the ADOS people, uh, American descendants of slaves, the descendants of American slaves, the DOAS people were all saying, hey, you know what? No tangibles, no vote. And I know this for a fact. The people who were running the campaign for the DNC heard about it because when uh, what was the billionaire's name? Billionaire who went on the stage. He ran for a short period of time back in 2019. Bloomberg? Not Bloomberg, but the other one, Tom Stern. Mm. Stern. He started saying, look, I hear you guys saying cut the check. It's deeper than that. And then uh, he also said, I have a plan that's going to address the things that the black community has been talking about. For, so of course, they got rid of them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Got rid of Bloomberg. Uh, <laughs> now Bloomberg, I'm glad he. Well, let me stop. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I didn't like his plan either. I went through his plan, and I didn't think his plan was appropriate. I didn't think that the lift every voice plan that Biden put out in August was appropriate. I like the changes he made later on in September, but mm-hmm. it still was an insult. Uh, the Trump plan, the platinum plan. I thought it was Cuban zirconium. You know, because in both of those plans, they said, hey, black people, we recognize that you had this and this and the federal government participated and helped create the disparity in wealth now. And we have these issues and we're going to solve your problem by helping everybody. Mm, you get help yeah. and you get help and you get help and you get help. And you're like, hold up. 
if there's a particular problem in your body, if your body has throat cancer, you can't help that throat cancer by giving an elixir that just helps the whole body. Well, the whole body will get better, mm. but that disparity in health between your knees yeah. and your throat is just going to be exacerbated. Well, the throat might get better, but the knees are going to be much better as well. That disparity stays in place. A rising tide lift all boat approach leaves the disparities in place. And so I was insulted by both of their plans. So I found it interesting that yesterday when uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I hope I said her name correctly, sister, um, <laughs> when they spoke saying that, yeah, we think we won this, he said, the African-American community stood up again for me. They always have had my back and I'll have yours. I think he was saying, I heard y'all. I almost lost this race because a lot of y'all didn't vote. You know, the ones who were B1, they were like, look, we ain't voting without tangibles. Foundational mm -hmm. Black Americans, we ain't voting without tangibles. ADOS, um, they said, we're going to vote down ballot Democrat. We're going to leave the top of the ticket alone. If those other groups would have voted and possibly voted for the Biden-Harris team, the win would have been easy. There were at least 100,000 votes that didn't happen because the Democrat Party and the Republican Party didn't answer our call. And I think, like you said, when we start organizing, I think it's happening now. I think it's happening now. No, and, I, and that's one of the things that I really liked about, you know, and I know a lot of people, and for me, like, I'm someone, like I said, wanted Trump out. I wanted Trump out. But I understand politics as well to the point where I understand that, you know, and I'm someone that firmly believes there would be Martin MLK wouldn't have been able to accomplish as much as he did if there was not a Malcolm. And so those opposing voice that kind of draws people to extremes get people to listen, you know, and so. You know, I'm someone that believes that you don't always put all of your dirty laundry out there. And so all of your strategic plan of, you know, how your community is going to advance, you know, but you need sometimes those people that are saying, if you guys don't do what we're asking for, um, then we're going to go far, go, go far right. And, you know, I was even saying that, you know, I think personally, personally, it, it's a good thing that even, you know, and, you know, I can get kicked out of the church for this, um, especially a black <laughs> church. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's a good thing, even the, 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 the black people who were so fed up and voted for Trump. And I say that because, because it makes the black vote now something you have to cater to a little more. Like it's, it's, it's not just guaranteed, you know? And so I think it's perfect that we won. That's what I wanted. But I think what, when you, when you have people that are saying, Hey, you're going to, going to have to work for it. People have to start acting a little differently. And I think the, those are beautiful things. I agree. Taniki, I know you had something to say. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I went off on my no. political tangent. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just was, I know uh, for myself, I, I 
myself pulled away from the Democratic Party and went neutral. Um, and it's just because, again, you you notice that they they really they made promises that they really never held on to for the black community. So again, I liked your post, uh, Seiko, when you said that when you uh, reposted what Joe Biden has said, and I just I pray again that um, this showed us that our voices do matter. So people that was telling people not to vote, that really was discouraging because it, this did really show our our votes do count. It does matter because again, we, we came out in numbers and we, we got Joe Biden in there. Um, I just hope that they do what they're supposed to do. But like um, the brother said, we have to participate more than just when it's the presidential election. We have to show up. And I learned that, Seiko, we're helping you when you were running, that it takes more, it takes us up for us to be more aggressive and involved at every election, no matter who is running. I say, I say to that, I say. Uh, but we're talking about finance tonight. <laughs> Dude and his wife paid off. $120,000. And what's interesting, and I'm going to mix these two together. You paid that off using leverage. You know, you took you took the resources using in one place and you stacked them up like you were making a ramp. And then you were able to walk up that ramp into no debt. You know what I'm saying? You know, you use leverage and politically we really just showed both parties hey, we got leverage. Hmm. Um, so now we got to work on it. But so what are some other things that, you know, some other fantastic money stories, man, because I'm looking at your YouTube page and, you know, uh, you have videos on stocks to buy now. Okay. Would you, Black also, on say you would, he, would you also say you use strategies? Yeah, no. And so, and I always say, you know, I, I, I believe in the K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid, you know? And so I, I don't believe like you need complex strategies in order to pay off debt or build wealth. And so, you know, I use the debt snowball in order to pay off my debt. List your debt from lowest to highest and pay off the lowest one first and move down, move down the track. And it's as simple as that. I think the biggest thing is staying motivated throughout the entirety of paying off debt. And, and I think, you know, having someone to kind of help you is beautiful. You know, I have a wife, so she can help me when I'm feeling like I'm tired of this whole paying off debt thing and I can help her. And because we definitely went through those seasons where it's like, you know, you know, let's let, let, splurge a little, you know, we make a good income, you know, let's live a little. But it's like, okay, what are our goals, baby? And you know, what are our goals, honey? And so accountability is another huge part of it. And so I tell people, you know, find, a, if you're not married or in a relationship, find a financial accountability partner, someone that's kind of on the same type of mindset as you to help you on this journey. Because it's not an easy one, especially when you see everyone on um, social media live in a semblance of what may look like a good life but you know, as as um, if we're in Texas, they say "big hat, no cattle," or you know, <laughs> you know that you know they have the fanciest hat, but they, they have nothing in the store. And so, and a lot of people are house poor, you know. So they they have they may have a house. Most people probably don't even have a house, but you know that's the same. That you know they may have a house, 
but they have no money, you know? And w one thing go wrong, a pandemic, they may lose it. They have a fancy car, but they don't have a house and not by, not because they choose not to. Um, and, you know, so like I said, dis it, discipline is such an important part of it. And again, something you could probably get in trouble for, but I think that's why a lot of people don't build wealth is because it, it takes discipline especially starting off. It really does. Um, and a lot of people aren't able to delay gratification in the way that it's necessary to build wealth. But you don't need a lot of money to do it. And that's what I always tell people. You don't need a lot of money. You just need a little bit of discipline. Wow. Well, I'll tell you knowledge. what, brother. Uh, you said a couple of things that can get you in trouble with the church. <laughs> I think you're in good you're in good company, man, because think about it. Dr. Martin Luther King was kicked out of the church because he was telling them we need to do these things. They were like, nah, y'all gonna get us all in trouble. And mm -hmm. so he was kicked out of his church. You know what I'm saying? So you're in good company, bro. You if know? they kick you out, you're in good company. But you, you look at you look at urban finance as a ministry. How so? And so I, I honestly believe, and, you know, I posted something during the election and it was pretty much that I wish we as a community was just as passionate about politics and getting people elected to um, the presidency as we were to building our economic base. Yeah. And because one, I think if we were to be that passionate, you know, about economic advancement, even the church, even the church, we've sent out so many bulletins, get out the vote. I think our denomination has done an extraordinary job of helping to get out the church, get out the vote. We are a huge in Pennsylvania. And so we were doing phone banking. Um, and so, you know, it's just, just a smooth, well-run, get-out-the-vote operation, and it works. And Biden is going to become president, and maybe our community will get something from it. I personally won't hold my breath about it, you know, <laughs> you know. And but but you know I'm a man of faith, so I'm optimistic. But you know I don't I don't expect necessarily to get anything out of it. And so we do all of that with a chance of potentially getting no return as a community, as a collective. But here about teaching finance, educating each other about finance. No email blasts about how to um, set up a budget. No email blasts about investing in the stock market. And so why can't we as a community, um, as just being black or as a church, be as passionate about economic empowerment are we as we are about voting? And I wouldn't even say political empowerment, I'll say voting. Um, and I see it as a ministry because, you know, it, talks about Jeremiah being that, that sound in the wilderness. You know, I want to be that voice for black community, but also for the black church to say, hey, I think we should at least put this economic empowerment thing um, in the same level as we, we, we put voting. Um, and again, I can't even, where, where we're at, where our political actually ability to influence policy, I can't even say um, empowerment because, you know, it's really about voting for politics. 
but we can get people good financially. I, I truly believe it. And I believe it's one way God has enabled me to help people. Like I feel like I can really make a difference in people's lives through this economic stuff. And that for me, that's what ministry is about, helping people and making a difference in their life. And so I view this as my ministry. I also, you know, um, it's something that I would do for free as well. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. So you talked about Dave Ramsey's uh, publicized baby steps. And we all realize he wasn't the first one to use that term or mm -hmm. that concept, but he's popularized it. I've gone through Financial Peace University two and a half times, um, my wife and I. And we actually took our kids with us um, the second time around. And it was really <laughs> interesting. So my son, he was, uh, I want to say he was in kindergarten. And we were in the class and they talked about a mortgage using the term mort, which meant death <laughs> and age, which meant, you know, for the rest of an age. for So you're dead for a period of time. You know, and it could be a long age. And my son said, that sounds stupid that you would tie yourself to debt. Mm. And I was like, whoa. But anyway, you know, Financial Peace University, I recommend it highly for anybody. You mentioned that the you use the baby steps. I saw that you have a video that says, are the baby steps still relevant? Do they still make sense? But then I see this IG post and you say, pay off the high interest credit cards first. So what do I do second? Mm. And so I would say pay off the high interest credit cards first. And then second, definitely, definitely get at least the match. And so that's something that I would say is different from Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey wants you to, to pay off all of your debts before you even take the company match. And for me, the company match is 100% interest pretty much. And there, there's no reason to leave that on the table unless unless you're unless you're living behind on your bill. So so for example, unless you're living way above your means. And I, I say that to say that if you're making a thousand dollars and the expenses is fifteen hundred dollars a month, then you know you probably should just be focused on paying off a debt. But if you have some wiggle room in your budget, I would I would take that match. I would add that match in there because um, that's free money on the table. Intriguing. Uh, what's the difference between an asset and a liability for the uninitiated? Hmm. And so, you know, one, one, the rich dad, poor dad is the asset is anything that puts money in your pocket and the, the liability is anything that takes money out of your pocket. And so from that, that standpoint, and I don't fully necessarily agree with, with that theology, I would call it, but from that standpoint, it's, you know, even your home, since that takes money out of your pocket, in that sense, will be a liability. And a lot of, and that's the one thing that I've always focused on, building assets, you know, what, what can produce income? And I love passive income. So I try to focus on various ways to build passive income. And I think... And I think that's the wave of the future, you know, building out various streams of passive income. Hmm. Hmm. All right, well, we're going to start wrapping up, man. You've dropped a lot of gems. You've given us a lot to think about. Uh, all your success coaches 
are workaholics. <laughs> All right. Okay. You got to drop this gem on it. What, what does this, what are you saying with this? And, and this should be honest. I mean, everyone's different, you know, and me personally, and I tell my, 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 my wife this all the time. My wife is one of the smartest people that I know, you know, and she, she's in generally like, you know, a very smart person. And so she was at the top of the class from high school all the way up. She went to Spelman. She was at the top of her class at Spelman. You know, she has a PhD from Harvard, a master's and PhD from Harvard in biostatistics. You oh, know, you married so, up. You know, way, way up. And so she's done her, her her stuff, you know, and, you know, not to say that she can just lay back now and sit back. But, you know, if she was choose to sit back, then that would be fine. You know, because she, she worked. My only path to real success is through hard work. My only path to extreme success is through hard work. And the people that I follow, their path to success was through extremely hard work. And so that means even after I'm done with church on a Sunday, you know, making sure I make time to to do a podcast at almost 9 p.m. in the night, you know, and, and that th- that I know will get me to the next level. I'm confident of it. Mm, mm, mm. So all your success coaches are workaholics. I get it. I and get so it. So if I want success, you know, I got to follow in that line. And that's that's for me. You know, some people may have different paths, but I know that that, that's a surefire way to give me the success that I want in my life. All right. That's what's up. That's what's up. Sister Taniki, why don't you tell everybody what you do and how people can get in contact with you? Okay, my name is Taniki Riddick. I am a financial um, educator as well. I am with the company called My Econ, where we teach you not only financial education strategy, but we also provide you with the tools. My email address is, um, or my website is www.tridick, that's T R I D D I C K, that my econ. Um, dot net. And that stands for your economy. We believe in making sure that you are educated enough to take control of your own economy. You can't believe in the government or the uh, president to take care of your economy. You have to take control of it yourself. Okay. Okay. And so they can go on their site, your site. I see you right here. Yeah. And uh, they can see about the products and services. So, uh, so you have an ID. Go ahead. Yes. Um, our products, the ID Defender, uh, which is something I believe everyone should have, is identity theft protection. Um, cyber, um, people stealing people information over the Internet is huge now. So you should really, you know, protect your identity. Uh, we have travel membership, um, the cash back model. This just overall helps you to control your economy, um, your finances. We believe in the cash flow manager that puts you in control of understanding your finances. It's, to me, it's like an electronic financial um, tool. Uh, my credit system that teaches you how to repair your own credit. I've seen Plenty of times where people spend a lot of money paying others to do something. No, no one should be in charge of your money or know more about your finances than you. That um, my credit system actually gives you everything you need and 
educate you on how to repair your credit, build it, and maintain it. Um, again, everything that is all the Jews that the brother dropped, we really believe in that. We empower people with it to really take control of your economy. I, I love it. I'm I'm just blessed to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 18 says that God gave us the power. He didn't say he was going to give us wealth. He said he gave us the power to build wealth. And we have to take that power and do something with it. Preach, uh, preach. <laughs> brother Caden, brother, uh, let the church say. Amen. All right. Yeah, y'all are slow on that. Y'all are slow. Y'all are slow. <laughs> let the community say Ashe. So I wanted to say a few things. Um, this is Black Friday, the uh, movie by Rick Mathis. Uh, Black Friday. Have you seen this, Caden? No, I don't think I have. Oh man, this talks about it's a it's a DVD, and it talks about how we uh, we spend our money in a way that keeps us broke. Hmm. And for you churchy folk, this is a great one called Generation One. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, Generation One: The Search for Black Wealth. Uh, it actually goes through and brings up some of the um, the lessons you can find in the canonized Bible dealing with wealth. You know, one of the things that I've learned is when you look at, you know, if we look at just the Abrahamic religions, if you look at the Hebrew culture and their um, their Torah proper, mm-hmm. you know, there are sections in the Torah proper that tells the, the Hebrews how to lend money how to run businesses. You know, it mm-hmm. says don't charge interest to a fellow Hebrew or Jew. It says uh, that when you charge interest, you do it in a way where the person can get out of debt in mm-hmm. seven years. It teaches a whole lot of things. Um, and there are also hidden references in the canonized Bible and all of that is, and more. You can find, of course, in Dave Ramsey's course, uh, you can find by following you online and you can find in Generation One, the search mm. for black wealth. So I wanted to show those. Uh, any last things about what you bring to the table, brother? I know we looked at your IG page. We looked at your Twitter page. We looked at your YouTube channel. Is there anything what other people that people can tap into, tap, tap, tap in that you offer that we haven't had a chance to talk about? Yeah, so first I'll say, um, shamelessly plug my YouTube page again is the YouTube page is Urban Finance or youtube.com backslash urban finance certainly check it check it out um have several videos coming out the next one i potentially i think i'm thinking um this is my next video how i'm how i'm investing 5500 in november and what i'm going to put that money into and the other thing you can check me out at theurbanfinance.com that's my website if you are a part of any type of organizations I do do financial workshops. You can check out the website to find out more. And I do one-on-one coaching. If you you know, need to talk about um, building wealth or paying off debt, check out the website, theurbanfinance.com. All right, let's find that. Uh, the Urban Finance. I hope I can spell it correctly because everybody's watching me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking what I'm seeing. All right, your services. Let's go to that very quickly. And what can you provide? Individual family planning and coaching. 
individual financial planning and mentoring. Okay, okay. Okay, for institutions. Okay, okay. Coaching, mentoring for institutions. Wow, wow. Workshops and speaking engagements and side hustle. Okay. All right, and they can book a 15-minute free consultation right there on your website, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks. Good, good, good. So let me enlarge that so everybody can see what we're looking at. And it's not enlarging the way I want it to. So uh, <laughs> I just put your email up here, newurbanfinance at gmail.com. Okay. Designed by Seymour Creatives. Give her a shout out as well. Black owned melanated business. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. We need more of those. Definitely more of those. Uh, any last words, Brother Caden? No, it was just good. Good being here with you, Taniki. You know, nice um, certainly, certainly some joy. Looking forward to staying connected with both of yes. you guys. Seko, thank you for the invite. Uh, you know, yes, certainly won't be the last time I'm in touch with you guys and look forward to building this wealth as a community and yeah. because it's important. The work that you're doing right now is so important. I say, I say, well, hey, everyone stay on code, stay on code. And as I said before, you know, we do credit fixes, tax resolutions, we lend private money and debt consolidation. Here's one of the, uh, recent deals I did with one of my clients. He purchased it from a family member, 33K. It needed 58,000 in repairs. Our firm was able to provide him with 90% of the acquisition. In other words, 90% of the purchasing amount. And we gave him 100% of the rehab costs. This is happening right now in Maryland. Uh, they're making that money because we got to do stuff like this. Hmm. We got to do stuff like that. Somebody paid for us um, because we have to change this. This is one of the things that we got to deal with. This is real. And it's going to take more than just, you know, being upset. It's going to take more than just prayers. We're going to have to put some other resources behind fighting that situation. Um, salute Ida Wells. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to protect ourselves, right? And so if you're going to yep. protect yourself, you're going to have to be able to purchase it. All right. Salute that queen. She was a G. And mm -hmm. uh, I just want to salute Caden. Thank you for coming on. Taniki, thank you for your leadership. I'm learning a lot under you. Um, yeah, this, this, this queen right here. We're building together. <laughs> <laughs> I say it. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk with everybody later. Get on code. Get on code. Get on code.